Hi, you've reached Avi with Ader and a Better podcast. Avi, what's up, man? I have a story to tell. I need, I need to get on the podcast right away. I'm not available to pod right now because I'm on a 14-day quarantine uh, after cross-examining a police officer, and I don't know where my podcast equipment is. So if this is Sajid and you need to podcast, call my friends at Another Not Guilty Pod, and we'll put it out on our feed. Another Not Guilty, spreading truth and justice, one not guilty at a time. How can we help you today? Hey, this is uh, Sajid Khan of Ader and a Better. You know, I tried to get through to Avi, but he's in quarantine in an undisclosed location, and I have a story that I need to get on a podcast right away. I was hoping to get through to my friends, Nikhil and David, over at Another Not Guilty for a crossover collaboration podcast. Of course, Mr. Khan, I'll patch you right through. Hold, please. Welcome to another not guilty. The time for change in our criminal justice system is now. A truth that doesn't sit well with those in power. And today, Another Not Guilty presents a special edition episode where we interviewed Sajid Khan, a Santa Clara County alternate public defender who was bullied and retaliated against by his local district attorney for exercising his free speech rights by speaking out against systemic racism and criticizing prosecutors across the nation for their role in our unjust criminal system. We here at Another Not Guilty stand with Sajid Khan and our fellow public defenders, and that's why we're here to share the story. Thank you. calling for people to direct their attention to their DA's offices. Like, yes, go rally at the city police departments and the city halls, but go and 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 take your outrage and direct it at your local DA's office and let them know that Black Lives Matter because it is they that ultimately um, hold the most power to uh, perpetuate police violence and perpetuate the dehumanization of black lives. And they have the power to uh, stem that tide and turn it in a different direction. And if they're not willing to do it, then we're going to hold them accountable and vote them out. Welcome. It's season three of Another Not Guilty. I'm David Moore, here along with my fellow public defenders, presenting to you the untold stories of the criminal justice system. Objection! That assumes there's justice in the system, which there ain't. I prefer calling it the American criminal system. These stories are about the not guilty as public defenders get on a daily basis. In an unjust criminal system. With the deck stacked against us. Another not guilty. Okay, everybody, what's up? David here. Another not guilty coming to you with hot, hot freshness, fresh out of the oven. That's how we bring it to you. Uh, co-hosting today is everyone's favorite, Nikhil. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm- <laughs> you are. I already know how you're doing. <laughs> you guys know Nikhil is our Los Angeles Public Defender Union president, so he's been super busy right now with everything, dealing with the pandemic, and then all the the civil, uh, or dealing with the what's the way? What would you call it? The I don't want to say the protests. There's more than just protests. It's dealing with the. I say the Black Lives Matter movement. There like, you go. And how it's impacted the criminal justice system, like, like you know, and just really, really having a moment, right? And. Uh, to talk about uh, like the things that we talk about on the show all the time, right? You know, like why why does there seem to be two systems of justice? 
Why are things so unfair? Why does the system even work, right? And a lot of things we talk about, you know, when we're un- like kind of opening up and examining, you know, people's about why how how we end to not guilty is right because we're not really supposed to win. So it's a little. How we get there, yeah. I mean, that's why like uh, people think it's just a few bad apples, but mm-hmm. the whole system uh, produces bad apples, protects bad apples, sells you a, a bad apple <laughs> telling you it's a good apple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know? right. And, and then also, like, it's just really funny, right? Because like they never talk about like the, the rest of that expression, right? The, I mean, I always say this whenever I'm uncomfortable. Like, I didn't grow up in America. I 100% grew up in America, but like a few bad apples. Spoil the bunch, right? Yeah. Like it's like it's like 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 they never they never it's like it's just a few bad apples. I'm like, yeah, but that's like really bad. It's just that causes systemic rot. The whole thing is uneatable because right. of a couple, like one bad apple can spoil right. the whole fucking thing. And they're like, <laughs> nobody ever says that second part. They're like, oh, I just. And I'm like, do you guys know what that means? Um, fr- fruits of the poisonous <laughs> apple tree. There yes. we go. It is. It is. You know, and but you know, the killer. You're not the only one out there making it happen you know all of us public defenders are doing our part and uh, i think today's guest uh has definitely caught the attention of the whole nation really in terms of uh yeah, public man. defenders uh we got sajid coming all the way from um san jose san jose public defender alternate public defender we'll give him a call right now i know it's it's like 9 30 on a thursday night so uh Justice never sleeps, though, David. You know, us public defenders keep working hard. Let's give him a call. See, let's see if he's up. Let's yeah. See, let's, see let's phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him some odd, who wants to be a millionaire question. Hey, guys. What's up, man? How's it going? <clears throat> Doing good. Doing good. Um, yeah, hey, you know, I had a question about evidence. Uh, you know, evidence code 352. <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, I got Nikhil here. Yeah. Excited to talk to you guys again. We were just uh, just talking, uh, shooting the shit a little bit about what's going on and the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, talking about Nikhil's uh, part in uh, leading protests for us down here in, in Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. He's been on a couple of radio shows. Yeah. But you know what? He's not the only one. We thought, you know, Sajid up there in uh, Santa Clara County has recently caught the eye of the system. <laughs> you know, a little yeah. blip, a little blip. Maybe. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the world's most dangerous blogger is... <laughs> yeah, notorious. <laughs> notorious blogger, dude. Uh, um, that's, yeah. That's crazy gonna, though, what happened, man. Inciting violence to county buildings. That's what, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, off the record, I appreciate you guys' support, Nikhil, and you, you know, your county and all the PDs down there. It was, it was just so, so cool to see um, the the troops rally. It was really awesome, actually, to, to witness like how many people came um, came out and started to, you know, like to voice support. It was really incredible to witness. So I'm excited for what what we what what that kind of mobilization can do as a collective, you know, moving forward. For all kinds of issues, right? I, I have to say that like the one thing that that this really it, you're, it's remarkable because I I can't think of a single other event that has really connected like the pub the national public defender community in a, in a way, and like through all these mediums, right? Through letter writing, through social media, and like we've all kind of collected around this like this moment. And I think, you know, I want to, I want to give our listeners like kind of a, a full background, but I yeah. think it really is like protecting our right to speak out and speak truth to power about what we see, you know, and say that yeah. we're not going to, yeah. 
we're not we're gonna wit- we're gonna bear witness and 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 help change it you know so you know Sajid, you know like tell tell uh the a n g fan world out there what 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 type of blog do you have and what happened a couple weeks ago so I started writing on a blog in two thousand ten uh back when I was a relatively newbie public defender um I started a Tumblr website and uh, started uh, writing about public defense, about our lives in the courthouse and at the jail, attempting to tell some of the stories of of our work. Um, and have been writing on the blog for about ten years, and have used the blog as a, a way to express myself, uh, to tell stories of our work, to tell stories mm. of the people I've I've had a chance to represent tell um did the lawyers tell you to, to use the word express yourself <laughs> no this is the lawyers have told me nothing I, it, was, it was funny to actually say that i had a lawyer uh for the first time in my life um you know to actually call someone my lawyer after all these years of people calling me their lawyer it was definitely unique to to like uh, consult with counsel and say that i have a lawyer and and um it was definitely unique to be able to say that and and uh, mean it but um <laughs> so yeah so um so, so you have this blog and then um you know then of course all the all the people but uh recently with george floyd brianna taylor ahmaud arbery yeah so um i actually went to a um well a couple things okay after after george floyd was killed initially i thought it would you know it was just kind of deja vu for for me in terms of just another in the series of deaths of or and killings of black men by law enforcement in our country uh stefan clark and eric gardner and michael brown and and then and the, and the list just goes on and on and on and i felt like i was we were just here uh two years ago or two years before that 2014 2016 2018 it feels like we were just out doing uh, out protesting and um out saying black lives matter and asking for systemic change and but here we were uh one more time and so after reflecting on the killing of george floyd for a few days and kind of just processing it um it really created this real um anger in me and real frustration in me um and a recognition that these killings are deja vu by design. They are uh, byproducts and manifestations of a system uh, that is rooted in slavery, a system with a legacy of lynching, a system that is um, that is rooted in mass incarceration, and that until and unless we really get to the core, the fundamental kind of rotten core of the system, then these this these killings will still happen mass incarceration will still occur. So I wrote this blog post um, on May, I think May 30th, um, and I quoted Malcolm X's by any means necessary um, kind of iconic speech. And I also included an image of Malcolm X with uh, the iconic image of him with his machine gun looking out his window, essentially saying that, you know, that we need system-wide overhaul, that we need, uh, we need to, I, I said the words, we need to tear the shit down and start over. Um, and, and essentially just shining a light on the very kind of fundamentally broken nature of our system and it requiring, um, very, um, 
a system-wide overhaul. So I wrote that blog post initially, um, and that gained some traction, and people took it for what it was, which was a call for systemic change, um, not a call for violence or anything like that. I used some fiery um, language, but not in, in a way to incite uh, actual violence, but to, 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 to indicate the imminence of the call for action. Um, and then a few days later, I went to this NAACP um, rally at San Jose City Hall here up in the Bay. It was really peaceful. It was a Black Lives Matter rally. We were at uh, the City Hall and, and people were calling for systemic change and for Black Lives to Matter. And I really enjoyed it. I actually went there with my mom and my, my, my older son. But then as I stood there, I realized that we were in the wrong place. Like I felt like City Hall was the wrong forum for um, for this rally and for this protest. I I realized and thought we should be at the DA's office. Uh, we should be at the DA's office because the DA's office is in, in our county, in your county, and every other county across this state and across this country, they are the seats of power. Um, they are the, the hub or the, um, they are the, they are law enforcement and police officers are agents of DA's offices. Essentially, they, they are uh, they go hand in hand. And so when we as a community and as a country are uh, rising in the streets to demand systemic change and demand that Black Lives Matter, the apt audience for that, for calling for those reforms, yes, are city halls and police departments, but they are should be DA's offices. Um, because as, as you guys know, David and Nikhil, like when we're, as we work in our courthouses, when police officers, um, use excessive force, when they baton and beat and sick dogs upon and shoot at the people that we represent, and then they, um, turn those cases over to the DA's office. The DA's offices are the ones that don't prosecute those police officers, but instead prosecute our people for committing, alleged crimes of resisting arrest or assault on a police officer or attempted murder of a police officer um, to help um, to help shield those police officers from liability. Or when police officers kill um, the, the people that we tend to represent in our communities, it's DA's offices that don't tend to charge those police officers with any sort of crime and instead uh, find ways to justify the police behaviors or when police officers commit, com collect um, evidence unconstitutionally through illegal stop and frisks or illegal car searches or illegal uh, entries into people's homes, it's DAs that oftentimes look the other way and, and, and allow for that illegal policing to occur and not only allow for it, but then actually stand up in courtrooms when we bring motions to suppress to defend the actions of those police officers. And on top of that, we have DA's offices, um, as you guys are well aware, that continually, continuously and uh, pervasively perpetuate the dehumanization of black lives by insisting on locking black men up in our of uh, black young men up in our juvenile halls, prosecuting them as adults when they're juveniles, um, calling them by uh, felons and convicts and three strikers, uh, offenders and rapists and these dehumanizing terms, uh, insisting on prison terms and life prison terms, uh, disproportionately demanding um, the death penalty upon people of color uh, in, our, in our counties. So 
long, long answer here is I wrote this blog post um, calling for people to direct their attention to their DA's offices. Like, yes, go rally at the police, the city, the city police departments and the city halls, but go and 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 take your outrage and direct it at your local DA's office and let them know that Black Lives Matter because it is they that ultimately um, hold the most power to um, perpetuate police violence and perpetuate the dehumanization of black lives. And they have the power to uh, stem that tide and turn it in a different direction. And if they're not willing to do it, then we're going to hold them accountable and vote them out. So I wrote a blog post to that effect on June 2nd. um, And I included a map uh, that was like this honk map from a rally that I had attended a week before with Silicon Valley debug. Mm -hmm. And it had a map of the Santa Clara County kind of justice or I'll call it injustice corridor, <laughs> like the Got the it. sheriff's office, the DA's office, the jail, the court, juvenile hall. And it even said like honk spots. I, I love the image of it because it kind of connected all the dots of the conveyor belt of our system of mass incarceration. And so that was the blog post. I used some uh, very vivid language where I said that we best honor George Floyd by by firing our very righteous theory outrage and ire at district attorney's offices um and again it was a call to action it was a attempt to educate people and um people that read it um thought the same i mean people it it was published on my blog and then republished as an op-ed in our local san jose inside kind of metro newspaper and website um, and then proliferated just like some other pieces do on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and so that's what that was. So but we can get into what the reaction was from, from yeah. a particular DA if you want. Well, I, I do want to get into that, but it just seems a little interesting because the two things that kind of stick out to me are one, it was published by a, like a local newspaper, right? So like, I mean, I would think that most, you know, responsible editors are not going to be publishing what they believe to be an explicit call to violence or, or something that's uh, in bad taste. That that's so uh, that would be a potentially be fighting words, right? Or or something right. that right. So there's right. there's a there's just even general you know civics or, or general civil liability um, that might prevent like a, a publisher from saying, well, maybe we shouldn't, you know, publish something that's calling for the bombing or tearing something down, um, that might incite violence. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is, you know, kind of knowing, I mean, you've been kind of prolifically writing about public defender subjects and criminal justice issues, you know, like you said, I know since 2010, but I mean, I, I remember even some of your earlier work on, on Aaron Persky, um, and, and that the recall motion, but just seeking for thoughtful exploration of ideas related to criminal justice reform, as well as, you know, understanding the system. So I I would think that anybody reading your writing in context or in your past would see those things and say, oh, this is someone, even just how you express yourself right now to our audience, right? Like an articulate discussion about criminal justice issues and why your ire should be turned to the district attorney's office. It ain't, it isn't some mindless rant about, 
you know, calling for violence for the sake of violence, right? I mean, I think it's... I mean, how do you t- physically tear the system down? <laughs> you can't... <laughs> I mean, I, it just it, it, it seems a little bit... Uh, I mean, I, right. I can't think of any reasonable person that would interpret that language in, in light of the context. I mean, I can imagine doing a prelim right now on a 422 and being like, come on, Your Honor, you know? Like, this is yeah. ridiculous. There's, there, But, you know, that's those are reasonable uh, persons. We, unfortunately, guys, <laughs> we work with unreasonable people <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> so tell us right. about the unreasonable people you work with, Sajid. <laughs> so, so what happened was uh, that morning, uh, the morning that I published that that post on my blog and on my Instagram and my Facebook, um, the local district attorney, uh, his name is Jeff Rosen, um, called my boss and my superiors at the office and expressed his uh, frustration or anger. Uh, with uh, the tone and tenor of my words. And there was a concern, apparently, that I was uh, organizing a protest at his uh, office and that um, they claim that members of their office were afraid that that rally or protest uh, would be violent and was um, would um, compromise their safety. Um, they They claimed that they had to evacuate uh, parts of their building that they had to send people home that that they they had to mobilize some sort of security plan all based on the words that I just described to you um, and and uh, so that that was the initial claim um, and then a few days later on uh, af- mind you after there was no rally and no violence at their office um, because that wasn't the call to action the the call to action was to hold seats of power to account. Um, a few <laughs> days later, on Monday, June 8th, uh, I got wind um, via a very public email that Mr. Rosen sent to his staff that he was filing a county complaint against me uh, for threatening his office, for endangering his staff uh, with an intent, and he, these are his words, that I had an intent to incite and destruct, um, and we we know what those you know. There's a difference between um, claiming that there there might have been some unintended consequences that someone could have taken my words and maybe been drawn to violence, which I think in and of itself is unreasonable and yeah. really ridiculous. But to then attribute specific intent to me that I had the intent to incite and destruct was even more offensive, more ridiculous, um, and so inflammatory and incendiary, um, essentially claiming that I had an intent to terrorize or that I was committing an act of terrorism. And then when we we think about who I am as a uh, Muslim man, dark skin. Wait, wait, skin, you're, you're, you're Muslim? <laughs> I, I, was like, I guess so i guess so i think so i was like let's, let's, let's maybe let's throw it out for our readers right because I, I do want to say i want i want, I want to ask you about that because i mean do you really i mean i mean, I know you're kind of getting into it but like you are pretty prominent and in, in, i think your faith on on your social media and in your blog like i, I think yeah that, and so do you yeah, think that that your identity as a as a muslim american do you think that played any role in in, uh, I think so. Okay. I, I, it's hard. You know, I don't want I personally also don't want to attribute, you know, malintent of that level to Mr. Rosen. But I, uh, I I can only kind of surmise based on all the circumstances that that had to have played uh, some sort of role because, again, of the language that was used, 
the the jump to a place of fear, especially given what you uh, were describing. You know, I've been a lawyer in this county, Santa Clara County, for 12 years. I'm born and raised in this county. Um, I have no criminal history. I've worked in this courthouse for 12 years. I've tried um, between adult and juvenile trials, nearly 70 trials in the courthouse. I'm there all the time. People know me. People respect me. I'm respectful with prosecutors and court staff and DAs. The blog that I'm, I'm indicating to you has been up for 10 years. I've been writing on it. I write about the public defense. I write about criminal justice. I write about faith and family and healing. Um, I'm a, I have the podcast with Avi that's relatively known in the county. I, I, I go to law schools in the area to do career panels and talk about public defense. And I, I've judged mock trial competitions with DAs. And so this this idea that I was inciting violence despite that track record is made it all the more suspect that um, that the leap to that place of fear was rooted in a really ugly place um, because of my faith as a Muslim, my dark skin, my beard, um, this 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 um, this belief that people have that Muslims are prone to violence or that we are prone to extremism or that um, when someone like me who is relatively tame and kind of the model minority uh, starts to use more fiery language and gets more upset, that means that I'm getting, I'm becoming uh, violent or I've, I've become extreme in some shape or form. And also it's an indictment of the people I associate with. Like when they, when they use those words and they claim that their, their office was threatened, they essentially are saying, that either I was threatening them with violence or that the people that I speak to and the people that are my audience, which presumably would be Muslims, mm. um, are prone to violence. That's the inference that you can draw from that. And so or even um, maybe even like you mean, because we, we speak out so much about the humanity or, or building community with our clients or the communities that they mm -hmm. come from. Right. And yep, also makes yep. them think like, I mean, isn't this also um, an extension of the bias toward our clients that they are prone to like that. They're just, they, they, they're just more violent by nature. They're more prone yeah. to criminality by nature. The people right. that were organizing and demanding people to free people, et cetera, et cetera. All these people are, it's dangerous and they're, you know, they're dangerous and communicating and, and associating with them is dangerous. And so, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's so offensive. It is, it's, um, it's really offensive and it, um, it just belittles, uh, who I am, who we are as communities that it, it's, it may basically makes the assumption that we, that we are just these kind of violent, um, I don't want to use the word animals, but violent kind of just, you know, p quick trigger, quickly triggered people, you know, and it's, it's just, um, and that we can't, we're not capable of peaceful protest and articulating ourselves and, in, in thoughtful, reasonable ways while we, de while we demand systemic change. So, so that's what happened. Um, so yeah, and, so the, uh, the, so Mr. Rosen, the DA of Santa Clara, he filed a, a, a complaint, right? We, we got there, right? Well, he announced publicly that he was going to file a complaint. Apparently he did file it. Yeah. Um, and he filed a complaint with this, with the County through this whistleblower, uh, complaint mechanism that's available. Um, and so that's that's when me uh, and some close comrades uh, launched into 
kind of actioned and started to mobilize to respond uh, strongly and effectively and and um, to kind of counter um, that effort from from him. So so everything you said about him saying you scared everybody in the office and everyone thinks you're going to like do something inciting destruction. That's something he said publicly or he said that. Yeah, he wrote that in a email to his um, assistant DAs in his office. And then that proliferated to his uh, his supervisors in his office that proliferated down to his line DAs. And so and he actually was encouraging other attorneys in in his office to also file similar complaints. Um, And so, yeah, he said that public. I mean, he's the the, obviously the, the county DA. So his his uh, email um, to public. his office was was pub- was relatively public, and then it became public qu- quickly. Got forwarded to me, and uh, and became known that it was that was happening. Um, so that kind of launched me and and some of my colleagues and supporters into into action to respond. Um, so we uh, we mobilized. Uh, I um, I had the pleasure of going out to. Um, New, Brooklyn, New York, last September for this conference called Zealous that you guys might be familiar with, where um, they brought uh, your boss, uh, Ricardo Garcia, was there and other public defenders from across the country. There was a training on how to uh, build, um, to do movement building and, and media communications as public defenders. And so I had met a pretty wide network of folks there. Um, so I, I looked to, to those folks for some some advice and some guidance, and we were able to uh, connect with Civil Rights Corps, which is a, a Washington, D.C.-based uh, nonprofit that does impact criminal justice litigation. They agreed to represent me in a free speech uh, claim against Mr. Rosen. Um, and uh, and so I got I got I kind of got lawyered up with a gentleman by the name of Charlie Gerstein. Um, and then the, this, the story got uh, floated around and ultimately landed on the desk of a Washington Post uh, editorial writer named Radley Balco. And um, Mr. Balco took the story, took interest in it, and then um, wrote about it and put it on the national and state radar. Um, my lawyer, which is funny to say, uh, Charlie, uh, wrote a demand letter to Mr. Rosen, basically telling him that he needed to withdraw his complaint and to apologize. Otherwise, that uh, civil rights corps would sue him for violating my free speech rights. Um, and then, well, you know, real, quick, whole, real, real quick, um, Sajid, yeah. like, what are the ramifications of this complaint? Like, if it's sustained, or why do you think he was doing a complaint? Other, I mean, what's the the effect it could have on you. It's hard to say what the ramifications were. There isn't. It's not really spelled out on the county website. But I'd imagine that the ramifications, if if the you know the claims were substantiated and the county thought it was so serious that they could um, suspend me, discipline me, possibly terminate me. Um, you know, those were all things on the table. I was hearing, uh, kind of by word of mouth, that there was a possibility that. I mean, not not a possibility, but there were some prosecutors in his office that were calling for me to be fired, calling for me to be charged with a crime. <laughs> and um, so um, I think I don't know what the formal effect of it would have been, but I think the effort by, by Mr. Rosen was it was an attempt to utilize county power to use his weight as the county DA to silence dissent, to bully me, to bully uh, people like me. Um, from and stop us from uh, voicing dissent and, and criticizing his office and calling 
and to question his office. To me, it was just a a way or an attempt to to silence me um, because which it didn't work. Because <laughs> I think right in conjunction with a lot of his response, his public responses have been, you know, I mean, I know this book is getting kind of thrown out around a lot, but in like reading White Fragility recently, like it seems very similar, right? Like he's like, I am a very reformer prosecutor. Look at all these great things I've done. How dare anybody suggest a narrative that's different than this, you know? And that seemed to be a lot of the, the at least public response that we were seeing, I think when the story really became national was, you know, Sajid saying all these things about discrimination and racism um, here in Santa Clara County, but that's actually not true. I've taken right. all, the, all these efforts to be, you know, I'm a modern progressive reformer prosecutor. And um, I think what maybe in the moment that I, I think is making a lot of DAs feel uncomfortable, I think, in, you know, when, when I'm going to court every day is that this whole moment, right, is about really, cha it's challenging everything. It's not, it's not about yep. just saying, you know, I try to be colorblind in determining offers, right? It's like, it is literally from, from charging to disposition to the, even the, I, you know, the concept of caging people as a response to societal problems, all of it, we are, we are here to like say, we're going to, you know, pull back the curtains and call it out all out that it's bad and it needs to be torn down and rebuilt, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that that's makes them a lot, very uncomfortable because the status oh, yeah. quo has been so, so opposite for so long, right? It's been like their 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 conduct and their and their behavior has been the seal of approval of good governance or, or of good mm -hmm. of for so long. And so I think we're seeing a lot of that tension play out even in your in in the, in this has this played out between you and, and Mr. Rosen. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I mean, what you're saying is spot on. I think that DA's offices in this in this state and in particular in this county in Santa Clara County have generally gotten a pass uh, and, and generally have pretty wide approval. They are not looked at as being the problem um, when it comes to systemic racism and police violence. Um, they tend to float under the radar. Um, they have this idea, people kind of cloak them with this idea of, serve, of the, being the people, serving justice, giving vic victims, to, uh, victims justice. Um, you know, it's kind of the law and order um, kind of reputation that they that they get um, that they're protecting our communities, and so when um, someone like me um, lodges very harsh criticisms in their direction at this moment in time that you're describing, when everybody is looking to hold seats of power to account and engage in very wide-ranging systemic change, um, his response was oh, you're threatening me and you're making me feel unsafe and you are violent. Um, the NAACP and then uh, the Council on uh, American Islamic Relations Care, um, they called it Amy Coopering. I mean, that's what I felt was happening. It was, I was attempting to tell Mr. Rosen to put his dog on a leash. And instead of putting his dog on a leash, he then started you know, calling the cops on me and saying that I was a, uh, that I was violent and that I was threatening him. Um, and that's what he was attempting to do. And, um, luckily, um, the, you know, just like Mr. Cooper did with Amy Cooper, we, 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 uh, didn't stand for it. And we, we kind of put it all on blast that this is what he was attempting to do. Um, so, 
As a side note, yeah. I mean, do you, do you yeah. do we think that is that going to carry on? Is Amy Coopering going to be a phrase that we we wow. carry on now? Is that do you think that's? I think so. Enter I mean, the lexicon. Well, I mean, I uh, well, Mr. Rosen got a couple uh, female. Uh, he got a couple associations uh, nicknames from this. So one was that he was Amy Coopering me, and then um, Alameda County Public Defender Brandon Woods uh, coined the term oh, DA Karen, Karen right? and so that <laughs> was starting to kind of trend and even the a newspaper the san jose inside the same place that had published my op-ed um actually had that as a title of of a piece this week called it was uh, about jeff rosen it was it was titled da karen so you know um i i i i'm not using those terms but I, or i'm not going to say those but i'm definitely not disapproving of them <laughs> let's talk about the like what type of support because i know um I know at least for over here, I know Nikhil was was blasting it out on Twitter, on his Twitter, on the A and G yeah. Twitter. He was retweeting. Right. Um, that's how, I, and then I think retweeting even your stuff. So I, that's how I I came across it. Um, but the you, support has been incredible. Yeah, I mean, so the first um, the first organization to rally to my support was the local San Jose chapter of the NAACP. Um, and that actually came to, came about through my boss, my my direct manager. His name is David Epps. He's a veteran African American public defender in our county, who's very connected to the NAACP. So he brought it to the NAACP's attention, and they um, sent a very public, scathing letter to Mr. Rosen, demanding that he withdraw his uh, complaint. And then that was followed by Mr. Balco's uh, op-ed in the Washington Post, which then uh, just spurred a whole a uh, slew of support, which was really incredible. The California Public Defender Association uh, wrote an incredible statement um, and letter to Mr. Rosen. Uh, 650 public defenders from across the country signed a letter of support uh, for me um, that was initiated by some Contra Costa County public defenders up here in the Bay. Uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations uh, wrote a very powerful letter um, uh, in support of me to Mr. Rosen. Another organization called Muslim Advocates out of Washington, D.C. also offered their support. The John Rapping from Gideon's Promise um, in the southern part of our country um, also uh, stepped up. I mean, there was just it was really incredible to to witness. And then my home kind of community organization, which is Silicon Valley Debug and my my friend and, and close uh, kind of comrade Raj Jayadev. Um, and his crew also were circulating a petition that apparently had 1,300 signatures on it and counting, um, including many um, organizations that are these participatory defense hubs from across the country uh, that I've had the honor of presenting to and speaking with uh, also were rallying uh, to my support. Um, I even had contact with uh, national chapters of the, the national chapter of the ACLU, local chapters of the ACLU. Um, and so it was just really incredible to witness um, this combination of public defenders, civil rights organizations, uh, Muslim organizations uh, rally to uh, support me. But ultimately, it wasn't to me, it wasn't really about me. It was uh, me being a symbol of public defenders, uh, criminal legal system advocates, reformers uh, who were going to stand up for our rights, our collective rights to speak our truths to power, to um, attempt to dismantle and uh, revolutionize the system um, and that we're going to push back anytime there's an attempt to silence us. Um, and so it was really, really, really beautiful to see 
um, so many different so many different but connected groups uh, respond and rally. Well, you know, DA Karen, next time that happens, better charge a gang enhancement because if he's going to be messing with <laughs> one of our boys, <laughs> he's going to go up against all of us. So, <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. We roll really deep. We roll really deep. And, and, and the thing is, we're lawyers. So, you know, it's not, um, we, it, it's, we, we have the, the power of, of our training, our experience, and also um, being kind of wordsmiths and and being able to write a really strong letter, and uh, hmm. so it's uh, um, yeah, really powerful. And the other p- people that I forgot to mention, yeah, Nikhil, the LA LA Public Defenders Union, um, it was just really, really incredible and and so powerful to see um, this group activated and uh, inspired and galvanized, um, and I'm really hopeful that this activation is just the beginning in terms of our collective voices um, uh, to push back against uh, these very uh, deeply ingrained uh, systems. We've already been doing it in our courthouses for years, as you guys have and as I have and my colleagues have, but taking it now to that next level and taking our voices from the courthouse uh, out into the streets and out into our communities uh, to be part and parcel of the systemic change. I, I'm, I'm just so excited that um, that's where that's where we are. And that and not being afraid to call out uh, DA's offices and seats of power. Um, that's that's I think that's I'm, I'm hopeful that's what this moment uh, kind of unearthed in all of us as public defenders is that that fearlessness to take our advocacy from um, the courthouse and then take it into the streets. I think that, you know, one of the things about like our podcast, both of ours, it's about really just trying to get these stories out and into more light and then really just being just the power of the narratives that we have, you know, and when I think early on in our careers, you know, I think like at parties and, and, you know, even going to like family events, you know, it's like, it's, you kind of, it's almost like you code switch. You're like, ah, who should I tell? How much should I tell them about what's going on? Right. And Uh I think in the last few years, you know, kind of doing this podcast has been part of it, but even maturing in my practice, it's been, no, these stories need to be told, right? Like we need to bear witness, like we have to help, um, you know, communicate in every single, it's like almost like dismantling. It's our role in dismantling a lot of systemic racism, right? Is, is coming in there and saying, no, it's not just people getting off on technicalities and, and like, you know, bad people, you know, exploiting the system. There's a lot of, here are all these experiences that explain, just how corrupt or racist or, or problematic the system can be. And I think that this moment, this is the last three months, I mean, it's so crazy. COVID has really just exposed so much, but um, has given us just like an opportunity to say, we don't have time for slow reform. We can, we can actually reimagine a very, very new and, and much more productive like civil society and, and social contract um, that I don't think we, I maybe I think when I, we started practicing in 2020, you know, 11, David. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine us talking about, you know, just taking all police out of schools or, you know, reducing the level of misdemeanor context that we are now having serious debates about. I mean, it, it is pretty remarkable. Um, our, yeah. Our role right now. Yeah. For, I mean, we've been, you know, I, I think all your points are really well taken. I think we've been saying these things for years to ourselves, uh, like in our offices, in our office hallways, in our, in our, public defender conferences. And, um, and I think we have attempted, like you said, through the podcast, through my podcast, through 
uh, writing and advocacy to amplify these voices out in the communities. But I don't know that people were open to listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were kind of the squeaky wheel, uh, but not really getting a lot of grease, you know, coming our, our way. Um, we, and so we kept, we kept grinding and we keep doing the work as we do. And we keep trying to tell the stories as we are. Uh, but now I think it's this really powerful moment where now the country and our communities are ready to listen. And we have the expertise, we have the experience, we have the, by, by being in the jails, by being in the courthouse, by being in our communities, by bearing witness to the people um, and their families that we serve, we have the expertise, the experience, the knowledge, um, and we need to share it. And we have been sharing it, but now we need to continue to share it and not be afraid to do it um, and to uh, be very uh, bold and plain about uh, what the constructs are in our system that perpetuate police violence and the dehumanization of black people and then holding those seats of uh, power to account. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is the moment and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that this, this experience that, that I went through and that we all went through collectively as public defenders is um, going to spur this new tier of, uh, hopefully a, a new tier of activism for us as a community um, and, and to really demand that system-wide systemic, systemic change. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, you know, I mean, you know, Sajid, like anybody can like get on a blog and say some things or march up and down the street and like, but I mean, like really like, I mean, are you, I mean, you talk a big game, but are you, are you like a badass trial lawyer? I mean, <laughs> are you like, well, I mean, yeah, but what do you, I mean, what do you do for your clients? You know, like, do you have any like stories you want to share for us? I do have one. What? Uh, I do have a story to tell, <laughs> share with another not guilty. And I, I, I uh, interestingly enough, I we sh- I shared this story with you guys maybe what, five months ago. It's gonna fucking call us out. It was apparently the recording didn't go that great. We're not uh, experts but... in everything. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, oh wow, uh, he's just like he's like over an eight or a better. We don't have these problems. <laughs> uh, no, we're we're complete novices over here. With, uh, with, uh, I, tr- I I don't even know how to record uh, a podcast. Avi, I, I, Avi, I definitely luckily, don't know. It's David for sure. It's... Yeah, Avi is definitely our guy that handles all of that, and so. So, but just um, so just so everybody knows that uh, you know Sajid, uh, you, he uh, what not walked his client on a on a murder charge back in January, and then right. I had gotten this new piece of a pod, podcast equipment. And we do can... it. We do it for the listeners, guys. We do it for yeah. you, right? We heard. <laughs> we got. We responded. We got better equipment. Yeah, better equipment. Um, and so, but Sajid was like the first interview with it, and I forgot to hit record on his. Um, <laughs> Nikhil and I recorded fine. I just forgot to hit record on his. So, but uh, I'm a pro at it now. I know how to do it. I'm very comfortable. Well, mostly confident. So I still have some doubts, but I did hit record this time. So we're doing good. And we want to hear this story, Sajid. So we're coming back to you. We're persistent. Yeah, I appreciate it. And what's funny is that as soon as um, we won this trial back in January, I think I tagged you guys on my, you yes. know, like I had posted about it on Instagram. Because <laughs> I had, I mean, I had uh, last year I did an SVP trial uh-huh. where my, where the man I was representing was, it was found not true that he was a sexually violent predator. But that was not the same as a not guilty from a jury. That was a court trial. Um, and so this was a jury trial with a not guilty verdict. And I was, it was, it's the first one I've gotten in a few years. Um, and so I was excited to, 
um, tag you guys in the post and definitely was, uh, I did, I was not shy about wanting to come on the podcast to tell the story. So I'm glad I got to share it. Then we got, we did like a little preview, like a, a preview episode that was for our ears only. And now we get, to hopefully <laughs> there we to, go. Exactly. exactly. Um, but also you to know, do this real one. Yeah. Cause of COVID, I mean, I don't know when we're going to get another one. Not guilty. <laughs> I know. If you want to hear about Sajid's stellar trial skills in a gang murder trial, then make sure to check out our newest episode, which will be airing this upcoming Sunday. Also, Sajid Khan and his fellow public defender, Avi Singh, have a podcast of their own called Aider and a Better, where the two give insight into their jobs as public defenders and discuss the criminal justice system's purported values and their actual function. Check it out.